So the fall is pretty much here. Do you guys think the start of school is fall? Is that what it feels like? It's when the pumpkin spice latte comes out. That's one. That's one. For me, since I've been out of school, it's like when football starts and when hunting season starts is kind of like the mark of fall. Is, is there any uh, hunting people out there? Anybody like to hunt? Right on. Got some peeps. For those animal lovers out there, I'm an animal lover as well. I love steak. It is delicious. It's very good. But... How many of you guys have ever been turkey hunting? Anybody ever been turkey hunting before? Man, turkey hunting is something different. It is something different. You have to be in full camo because turkeys, although dumb, can see very well. And they can see anything that's not a bush or tree and they will immediately evade it. And for those of you that have never seen what a turkey looks like outside the context of your Thanksgiving dinner table, this is what a turkey looks like the ugliest bird on the planet. You know, tur- you know, like your animal that you're hunting is ugly when you can't tell where you shot it after you shot it. <laughs> it looks like what should be on the inside of the neck is on the outside of the neck. I don't, it, they are just hideous. But one, about one year about, so it was like four and a half years ago now, it was a spring and I, it was my first time turkey hunting. And I went up with Jeff and Paul, and we were unsuccessful, but I kind of saw how to do it, and I got all the camo, and I had like the turkey calls and all that stuff. But the problem with it was we were unsuccessful, but the next weekend I was like, you know what, I'm going to go up by myself, and I'm going to go get me a turkey. And I looked at Robin, and I was like, woman, I will bring home meat for the family to have. And so I woke up really early, and I went up to the, the, it was Younger Padre up there, and up there was, it was like right before sunrise. And so I woke up at like 4 a.m. and I drove up there. And when I got out of the truck, it was just amazing. It was amazing. The, the sun was just coming up. And because the, uh, like, you know, it was still really early, like it was just really crisp and beautiful. You know that like silence in nature? That silence in nature? that is just like super pleasing. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that before, but I just got out of the truck and it was cool and crisp and all I heard was like just like the small birds and then I heard the majestic call of the turkey. Not majestic at all. It ruined the whole thing. It did. I wonder if like Lewis and Clark when they were exploring America, they were just like, wow, it's beautiful. And then, like, what is that? We need to shoot it. Uh, you know? And I think the other animals are like, please, someone shoot that thing. But to a hunter, that, that sound is like, oh, 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 yeah. It's close. And so I heard that sound when I got out of the truck, and it was like pretty close right on the other side of this ridge. So I get my camo on, and I get fully decked out, and I got my gun, and I'm being safe, all right? And, and I run up the hill. Safety on. Okay, safety on. You're hunting, right? And I'm by myself. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this turkey. And so I get over the hill and I hear him again. And he's close. Like I couldn't see him, but I'm like, he, like it was booming that sound. And so I got under a tree and I got all set up and everything like that. And in the springtime, you can call a turkey to you. And to get a male turkey to come to you, you need to sound like a female turkey that, you know, wants to get some coffee or something like that. And so what... 
a female turkey that wants to get some coffee sounds like is something like this. Let me see if I can pull it off. Thank you. That's a female turkey that wants to get some coffee with a male turkey. All right. Now, me driving up there at 4 a.m. and being the first hunting season ever, that's not what came out of my mouth. This is, this is along the lines of the sound because I had not practiced my turkey call and I'm by myself. I didn't have anybody to turkey call for me. My heart's pounding. I'm out of breath because I ran up a small hill and this turkey's like, I want to shoot him in the face, right? And so this is what actually came out of my mouth. Something like this. No joke. And I'm like, no. And I just stay silent. And the next gobble I hear is like far away. That turkey's like, uh uh. If that is a girl turkey, I don't want to see her. And so I'm like, I will bring home meat. So I get up and I just run. I'm like, I'm going to chase this turkey down. This turkey doesn't know it's going to happen. So I run over the hill, and I stop on the next ridge, and I hear him even further away. I'm like, no! And I run further, and I keep going. And then the next hill, I never hear him again. And then I look, uh, and I'm just like, I'm out of breath. And I had fun, because, you know, you're, you're running through the forest, and you have a gun. It's kind of fun. Um, I don't suggest that outside the context of hunting. But when I looked up, and I looked behind me, I didn't see my truck, and I didn't see the road. I saw trees that I didn't recognize, and bushes that I didn't recognize. And I had that moment of panic, you know, that like I might die today, that sort of panic. That's what came over me. And at that moment, when it, the panic set in, I realized that I'm alone in a place that I hardly know, and I have no idea how I got here. Why didn't I go with someone else? I don't know, maybe knew how to hunt. <laughs> Why didn't I go with someone else that could call turkey to where I don't have to chase the turkey across like the woods? Why am I here alone, and how did I get here? And I wonder if we ever feel like that in life, when all of a sudden you look up, you're alone, you're in a place you hardly know, and you wonder, how did I get here? I was too focused on chasing after what I was not ready to have on my own to realize that being alone wasn't worth it. And I believe that God says the deepest parts of us that being alone is just not worth it. It's not. And at some point, I think there's going to come a time in all of our lives where we're going to lift our eyes up from chasing what we want and realize we don't know how to get back to what we need. I needed to get back to civilization so I could survive when I was turkey hunting. But I think that at some point, we're going to, we get so focused on what we want that we can't get it and we realize we're alone and we don't know how to get back to what we need. And we all got needs, don't we? Like, we got needs. I need some chicken wings. Or I need some more Fortnite. Or I need those shoes, right? Something. We all got needs. I get that. We do have needs. But I want to talk about one of the biggest needs that mankind has and what God just wired inside of us to have. And it's simply connection. Now, have you guys ever, have you ever been like, outside of data on your plan and you need to get to Wi-Fi to be able to get connection and you can't find it? Or have you ever been like trying to get Wi-Fi from somewhere that you normally get it, but it's not working? How frustrated do you get? Oh, I've not thrown anything against the wall before. 
it can be super, super frustrating. But the truth is we're all wired for connection. And from the beginning of time, see, we're built to connect with three things, all right? With God, with leaders, and with each other. And that's from the beginning of time. And I want to go to the beginning of time with, with you guys right now. In Genesis, when the very beginning of time, God simply spoke. Like the Holy Spirit was just hovering in the darkness, ready to do what God said. And God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And then God said, let, let, there be, let there be air. Boom, there was air. He said, let there be water separated from the sky and into the earth. And then boom, and he said, let there be air. And there's an atmosphere. And then he kept on going. He kept on speaking. And he said, you know, let, let there be land. And the, and the waters receded. He said, let there be plants. And the plants covered the land. He said, let there be fish in the sea. Let there be birds in the air. And then boom, they were just there. They were just there. The, the majestic turkey just showed up. When God said, let there be birds, they're not really of the air. But it shows he has a sense of humor because they're ugly. But God spoke all that stuff. And that was the first, first five days. The first five days of creation was that. Then the sixth day, God made all the wild beasts. And he said, let there be wild beasts. And then bam, a zebra. And boom, a giraffe and all that, all that stuff. And then at the end of the sixth day, God created man, but he didn't speak us into existence. He knelt down in the clay and he formed us with his own hands. And then the first recorded time CPR ever happened, God breathed life into David. Or not David, Adam, sorry. <laughs> well, down the line, he breathed life into Adam and Adam had the breath of God in him. And Sean and I were actually talking about this. Adam's dad was God. That's just, we kind of overlook that. That's just a really cool fact that Adam's dad was God. He didn't have any other earthly father. He had the creator and he was the created. Now, when in Genesis 1.27, this is what it says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea. That's right, sharks reign over you, the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was what? Not just good, very good. He saw that it was very good and evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all of his work of creation. My first 12 times reading this story, I never put it together until a couple months ago when I read it again. And I realized that Adam, that Eve's first interaction with God was not to a checklist that he gave them. His first their first interaction with God was a day of rest. Just hang out, a day of connection. The very first thing that God wants to do with all of us is just connect with us, just to be with us, just to be in the same place as us, to get to know each other, to get to, get to know God, what he wants, and he wants us to be able to share who we are with him. It's simple. It's just connection. That's what we are wired for. That is what we're supposed to be, and Satan is going to constantly try and pull you away and get you to be alone or to get you to be isolated when God's like, no, 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 you are always made for connection. You were made to be with me through it all. 
in that place of connection, that was Adam and Eve's sense of home. That was their first home, was just that, that day of rest with God. That home, that place that you feel safe, that you, that you feel secure. I believe that God wants our home and our hearts and where we feel safe, where we feel secure, to have connection around it. The truth is, if you walk through any part of your life alone, you're gonna lose that sense of home. I went hunting alone and I lost my way home. Obviously, I ended up figuring it out because I'm here and I'm not dead on the mountain. But God wants us to have that connection. But the truth is, the numbers don't point in the right direction for each and every one of you guys here. The statistics say that within the next four years, some crazy stuff could happen. The Public Religious Research Institute put out material, that's just like a research um, group. They put out material that in 2016 saying that 79% of students fall away from their faith in the age range of 18 to their 20s. 79%, that's like a B. Satan's getting a B, y'all, in, in getting us to fall away from our, from our faith. Lifeway Research said that 80% of students that fell away didn't make a decision in high school saying that they were going to do that. And I don't, I mean, I don't think any of us are going to say that. I don't think any of us are like, you know what would be fun next year? To sin it up for a while. Let's live wild. I don't think that that's the kind of stuff that we're saying. But because we're not saying that, and even though we're not saying that, the numbers still haven't changed. Statistics say that within the next four years, 80% of everybody in this room that's in the age of 18 to 29 will fall away from their faith. And honestly, when I went to college, I was a part of that statistic. I was that number. I was one of those numbers. My freshman year, all I did was play Xbox and drink Mountain Dew, among other things. I didn't go to class, but I did go to a service. I, called a, I went to a service called Campus Crusades for Christ. And in that service, we had a worship time, we had a teaching time. You know, there, there was a lot like this. You know, there was a time, there's a service just for me. For, and it was, it was on our, our college campus, and it was for college students. And I went there, and I remember multiple nights, I would go to that service, and then when I went back to my dorm, I would get drunk. And, and I would fall, into, and I fell into deeper addictions. Though I was attending a service, I still fell away from my faith. You see, just attending a service wasn't enough to make me the exception to those numbers. And it's the same tonight for us here at 4640. It's not just enough to come here, but we need to connect. I didn't connect with anybody at Campus Crusades. I just came, I went, kind of sang the songs, listened to you know, some of it and was like, oh, that's cool. And then went back and just did my own thing. I never connected with anybody. See, we are built and wired for connection. And even when we're in this building, Satan is after us to make us not feel it. There's multiple different reasons for that. But you know what pulled me out of that falling away for good was a small group. A small group. I had ended up dropping out of college, but what would have been my junior year in college, one of my buddies from high school who I did a lot of life with and we believed in God with each other and, and we, we prayed over uh, our football teams before practices and games and wrestling teams and stuff like that. Well, he got transferred to UNC where I was and he invited me to a small group. And at that small group, I found connection. 
And in that ministry, we also had a service. And so in that service, because we had a small group and a service, I was able to connect at a level that I had not connected before. And it pulled me out of a place that Satan was trying to get me alone and isolated in. And it put me into a place where I was able to feel and know and protect what God was trying to tell me, what God was trying to do through me. That small group put me around people that knew God and I was able to connect with them. And this isn't some brand new thing. There are four dudes in the Bible, all right? And it's Daniel and it's Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. Those four guys, what happened to them? They were ripped out of their home. They were conquered by a foreign king. They were forced to leave their home, serve that king in a place that doesn't believe God and be treated like a lesser human being. You know what got them through that pain and transition? A small group. They formed a small group in exile. They did. Now, freshmen, let me talk to y'all. Open your faces. Open your ear holes to my words. It may seem like you've been forced to leave your home and go to school, to serve in a place that doesn't believe in your God, the school system, to be treated like a lesser human being because you're freshmen. You know what's going to get you through it? A small group. A small group will get you through it. When Daniel and his small group was faced with their first big challenge, this is what happened in Daniel 2. It says this, Then Daniel went home, told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask God, the God of heaven, to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with all the other men of Babylon. Heavy, right? That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and Daniel praised the God of heaven. They made it out of a situation because they do the exact same thing that we do here at our small groups. They came together and they came to God with issues that were going on in their life, their personal life. They didn't go to a service and just respond to that. They shared what they did that week or what, Daniel happened, what happened to Daniel that day. They took it to God and they fought for each other. And they were, they were for each other. And because of that, they were able to see victory, see connection and relationship. That's what makes it a difference. Not just attendance. Attendance is just a checkbox. Connection makes it eternal. Connection makes it God. And the value's there. Connection both right now and later on. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We're meant to go through life together. We're meant to connect with God connect with leaders, and connect with other people. And in the Bible, you see small groups all the time. I mean, Moses and Joshua hung out together. Elijah and Elisha hang out together. Jesus had all of his disciples that hung out together. And then the church grew from there. Paul had Silas and Timothy. Like, it's very rare to see a character in the Bible that was solely alone. But he, those solely characters that were able to make it still were in deep connection with God. They were in deep connection with God. So I just want to talk about what small groups can, can offer, what, what small groups have to offer you right now here in life, because the biggest thing they can offer you is what I believe all of mankind is wired for, and that's connection. It's connection. Now, I get it. Going to a small group, especially the first time, can be weird. It's awkward. It's true. It's awkward. I mean, if you think about it, almost every first time, like firsts are awkward. My daughter's first steps were not graceful. They were awkward. They were. I mean, the first time that you go into class, like, like think of just a couple weeks ago, sorry, Caprock, a month ago, like 
when you walked into class for the first time, it was a little awkward. You, you, had, you had new things to learn. You had new things that you had to be able to get to know your teacher, be able to get new, know new people or whatever it is. And in small groups, it can be the same way, but I'm telling you, it is worth the time because connection's eternal. I mean, there's only a few things on this planet that are gonna be lasting forever. The word of God and each other. I'm eternal right now. You will see me in heaven dancing. Dancing. I'm gonna dance. I'm gonna dance up there. I'm gonna probably dunk over Joe. That's my goal. That's my prayer. Jesus, please let it happen. But I'm eternal. And if you've accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord, you are eternal. And I believe that you are worth connecting with because I'm gonna already spend eternity with you. Why do I have to start till heaven to connect with you? Oh man, I wanna start now. I'd rather already be connected. Now in our small groups, there's a couple things that you can see that we do. We separate in genders. The reason for that is, for guys, it's hard to talk about, I don't know, porn in front of a girl. <laughs> just is, I'm just gonna be real with you. All right, and I think that girls, it's probably hard to talk about stuff that you talk about. I've never been into a girl's small group because that's weird. So I, I don't have an example for you. I don't know, like, if your shoes fit right that day, I don't know. But that's nothing that I think us guys are really that interested in. But I think the big reason of why we split in genders for small groups is because I see it all the time. And truth be told, I'm guilty of it as well, that I will filter what I say and how I feel if there is a female present. If my wife is in the room, like I'm gonna be really thinking because I'm in deep connection with her because she's my wife, we are one flesh, I am gonna like be thinking about her emotions and her feelings and I'm not gonna be able to reveal like what everything that I wanna say to another bro about what God's doing in my heart until I'm ready to be able to share that with her. But I can be raw and real to the deepest part of my heart when I'm just with men. And I believe the same thing is true for girls. That if there's a random guy in your small group, you're not gonna, you're not gonna let the deepest part of your hearts out, and nor, sh nor should you. Because truth be told, men will never understand the feminine heart. Not truly. And girls, you won't understand the masculine heart. Though I think you got a better shot at it than men understanding girls. <laughs> I just, I can't. Men, let's be honest, guys, we're not the brightest. We're just simple. <laughs> we are. So we separate genders here in our small groups. We do. We separate genders because we believe that true connection um, in a small group setting is not a dating relationship. It needs to be just guys and just girls so you can be able to bear your heart and your soul. Something else is we're built to connect with each other in small groups, but especially your leader. Something you can expect out of your small group leader is someone to go to bat for you, to be able to fight for you, and someone that's going to sacrifice their time and their energy because you're worth it. I went camping with my small group. We went camping, right? We cut down a huge tree, and you could hear the facial hair growing during that experience, right? Chuck's small group went with us. Chuck and I, we didn't hang out with our families that weekend. We went up with our small groups because you guys are worth it. Because you guys are worth it. You can expect your small group leader to tell you you're worth it. You're worth their time, their energy, and above all, the most important thing, you're worth our prayers. You're worth our prayers. You guys are part of the reason I was put on this planet. You guys are, are, are part of the reason why JL was put on the planet, why anybody on staff, any of the volunteers here. We think that you're worth it. We think that you're awesome. And we wanna walk with you through life. 
We're not going to sit there and give you a checklist and tell you, you need to do this better. You need to do better, that better. We want to like walk with you through stuff. So you can expect that from your small group leader. You can expect your small group leader to text you throughout the week. I text you guys from time to time, right? I share words and like funny gifts and things like that too. But we read, we read uh, Bible plans together on version. We text. We, we want to be able to connect with you throughout the week because we believe that, remember, just attending a service is like just half of it. We want to be able to like connect with you throughout the, the whole week because we understand that you can have a hard day. Man, if you've got a Thursday that's really rough on your heart, text us. Let us know. And when we text you and say, how you doing? Don't ignore it, please, because we just don't know how you're doing. <laughs> just say, hey, I'm good or I'm bad or, or just give it to us real and we'll be able to pray with you and pray for you throughout the week. What we expect of you guys, and that's just a, a, the tip of the iceberg of, of small group leaders, like, we're here, we care about you, and you're worth it. We really want you to know that. For you guys in small groups, so you connect with the leader, and you connect with each other as well. John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, Jesus said this, and he took that to the extreme in straight up dying for everyone. We're not asking that. We're not asking that, to straight up die for everybody. But what that means, I think, in the context of small groups is that you could lay down your plans that you had after service for one another. And that's, that's, that Jesus says that's the, greatest, that's the greatest way to show love is to lay down your life. And we understand that you have lives outside of this. But like, as leaders, we're, we're laying down you know, our, our time and stuff like that too. But like, it's not because you're a burden, it's because we want to. And if you choose to connect and let other people into your small group or that are in your small group into your life, man, they will fight for you. They will fight for you. Jeremy, your prayers are solid. Like, like there, there's people in, the, in small groups that I've had that are still connected to the church. And I believe with all my heart, like what James says, I think it's James, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person yields powerful results. And if you have those people fighting for you, that's like your own personal Navy SEAL team that will just like shoot the enemy in the face with prayers. I mean, it's true. You got people that back you up. And this is the true in the, in the girls' small groups too. Like, we want to be able to connect with one another. And if you really care about somebody, you're going to like meet them at school. And then all of a sudden, attending a service isn't where it stops. Connection bleeds into the schools. Connection bleeds into your homes. We have these devices where we can like, these phones, I mean, if you really think about it, it is amazing that like Aaron can share something that just happened to him, that, that deeply hurt him. And I can be my, I could be across the world and I can start praying for him as soon as I get that message. If you think about it, that's crazy. There's no other culture that's been able to do that this fast. And when you got people fighting for you, and when you know people are in your corner, how much more confident are you? How much more content are you? Oh my gosh, how much more does it feel like home? Like what we're wired for, that connection. That's why small groups are so important. So what we can expect from you guys is to be able to like, Lay some of your life down for them and, and make that sacrifice at school to pray for them, to, to pray for your groups. If you're going to the same school, to find those teachers that know Jesus, that like, like we talked about Mr. Gregory at um, Junction, like his, his room has a big 4640 poster in it. Like, you know it's safe. 
you know it's safe in there, to go read your Bible, to be able to pray for one another and do those things. See, the truth is attending 4640 service, that's gonna, that can get you into the presence and the message of God in your life. But attending a small group will help you keep that throughout the week. Keep it throughout the week. How many times have you walked into this place and, the, and the, a week later you forgot about what the message was? I have personally had that happen to me because Satan's out to steal, to kill and destroy. He wants to steal that seed away. But if you're connected in a small group, your small group leader is gonna remind you about what was talked about. Your small group leader is probably gonna give you a challenge to do throughout the week. Like if the message um, is connection, it's like, hey, the one challenge this week, guys, is for everybody to shoot one text of like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. Is there anything I can pray for? Just one this week. That's a challenge that all of a sudden you're reminded about the presence and message of God tonight throughout the week, and then your world changes every week for the better. Small groups are super important. Connection is super important. And I want to be honest with you, if you're not connecting with a small group, if you're going to try it out and you're just like, you know what, maybe there's, there's something weird with somebody else, like maybe you're dating the girl the other guy already had dated in the past, and it's just like, awkward. In the group, come tell us. You don't have to tell us all the details, but just like, you know, I'm not connecting well with my group. We would love to be able to set you up for success and put you in a group that will best suit you. We want to be able to do that for you. So like, know that that's okay. And something else is like, if you try small groups once, and it just like didn't feel great, it was a little awkward, I challenge you to at least try it one more time. Because the, we always like filter an experience through a first time, it's just an awkward filter. And it's just like, it doesn't feel great, it doesn't feel right. Like I know that Aaron and Jeremy and I have some inside jokes, but if you were to join our small group, there's nothing that we're gonna like, no, no reason why we would actually want to push you away or keep you excluded. We want to include you in. And so coming regularly, and getting consistent in that is a way to help build connection in it as well. So I challenge you to, con- to like try it for two or three times. But I, I just do want to say that if you really just don't want to do small groups, don't make that a reason for not coming to 4640. Like we really want to start going into small groups and making that a thing. But if small groups just isn't for you and you just really just, you just do not want to do it, don't make that the reason for not coming to 4640 anymore. Because remember, the presence and the message of God still is felt in this place. I believe with all my heart, this is a place where heaven touches earth every single week. Where two or three gather together because, because we're Jesus. He is among us. Because we are his, he is among us. That's a straight promise out of the Bible. So if small groups isn't for you, and you, and you really think that, like I'm challenging you here to be like, connect, connect with us. But if not, please keep coming to 4640. I just want to close with, with a prayer for your hearts and a prayer for connection to happen. And then we're going to bust out into our small groups tonight. So if you'd bow your heads with me and just pray these words in your heart too. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for connection, for how you wired us. God, I love you. And I just pray that because you wired us to connect with not just you, not just you, Jesus, but also with our leaders and also with each other, God, I pray that you can give us opportunity tonight to be in deeper connection. God, that you can give us opportunity tonight to be able to meet a leader and to meet somebody else that will fight for us and that will care about us, God. And Lord, above all else, connection with you is the utmost and most vital thing for us to be able to 
to have your peace, to have your love, to have all your fruits. And so, Father, I pray that you can bless every single one of us tonight with your presence. Holy Spirit, just fall on us, cover us from head to toe, and really speak into us, God, because we love you so much. And I pray, Lord, that you can bless everybody's heart tonight and our mind tonight with favor, with peace, and with your presence. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.